Do you have a nickname? Nicknames are fun. I got, I got a nickname when I was about five that followed me all the way through high school. And I'm going to share it with you. I've only shared it publicly one other time. And here's the condition on which I will share it with you today. After I tell you, none of you can call me that. And I don't want to hear about it. So as a small child, before I entered the first grade, my name is Dwayne. So my neighbors, my family, my friends close by called me Wayney. Wayney. Now you know why I don't want you to use it. There are two people in my life now that still use that term. My best friend from high school and a girl I was in homeschool and homeroom with in high school called me Wayney, and that's it. So there we go. I've had a few others. Uh, my youth group guys always called me D. Some of you guys call me PD. And I like that. That's cool. My wife calls me Darlin. I call her Sweet Pea. Have since we dated. If I give her a card, what's on the front? Sweet pea, that's why. I like it when my kids call me dad. I'm their father, but they call me dad. The girls call me dad lipe, and I think that's cool. Before Mikey was born, well, actually, on the day of his birth, they put him in my arms, and he's now 30. Oh, I need a minute. I called him Mikey. He is Dwayne Michael Lipe Jr. I called him Mikey and have never called him by any other name. Well, that might not be true. But for the 99% of the time, it's Mikey. He came home from his first job with a name tag and it said Mike. And I went, that is unacceptable. First time I called Matt, Matt, my wife had a fit. That's not his name. His name is Matthew. I'm like, well, me and everybody else on the planet are going to call him Matt. I called him Matt Lipe. I, that sounds weird, but on the base, I, was, I helped coach his baseball team, and it was Matt Lipe. Sometimes I called him three. Do you know why? Because that was his number. Sometimes I called him threes. Do you know why? Because that was his football number, 33. The other day, we were having uh, the gender reveal for our... Did, did y'all know we were having another grandchild? Did I tell y'all that? Y'all, we were having the gender reveal, and so as it happens, we were... They were talking to Matt and Tolly about names, and the name James came up because that's Matt's first name, and about 9 million people in our family are named James. His name is Matthew, so that name came up. Somebody in Tolly's family is named Leon, and I said, I have it. We'll call him Jamaleon. <laughs> For some reason, Tolly did not approve of that. And I have, she understands, and I understand that, that, you know, that's just a joke. And once the child is born, I understand that at the threat of my own personal harm, I can never call the child that. And I won't. I won't. First time Kelly went to a vacation with us, we were sitting on the beaches of Daytona Beach, Florida, and this sweet little girl said, mm, this is such a good corn dog. So I called her from that day forward. Corn dog. Corn dog. Names are fun. Names are fun. We've been talking about King David, and God had a, I won't call it a nickname, but he had a way of talking about King David. Twice in God's word, he said, and I'll, I'll just read it to you from Acts chapter 13, verse 22, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
he will do everything I want him to do. God called David a man after my own heart. How would you like God to give you that nickname? Will you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, help us learn today what it means to be a man, a woman, a young person, a child, after your own heart. Teach us what it means to follow you closely and to pursue your heart above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you know, we've been going through this series where we're unpacking the life of David. And as I told you, I don't want this just to be a history lesson. I want us to look at David's life and see how his life and the great things he did, and oh, by the way, some of the not-so-great things he did, could apply to our life today in 2023. And, and this name that God gave him is, is, no, is no different. See, last week we left David as a teenager uh, facing a giant. And now we're going to fast forward 25 or 30 years. And now David is now king. So what happened between the giant and David's kingdom a lot, a lot. And I wish we had weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to go further and deeper. But here's what I hope happens. I hope that you come to church on Sunday and, and get a, a little thirsty for God's Word, and you'll go home and study some of this yourself. In fact, some of you guys are doing an awesome job uh, going through our, our um daily reading plans some of you are trying really hard and that's okay here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you a present those of you that are doing our, our, our reading plans i'm gonna give you tomorrow as a catch-up day and then tuesday you're gonna get a brand new one and if you have no idea what i'm talking about if you'll uh if you'll add me as a friend on you version you'll get a you'll get a plan an invite from me and it'll be it'll be all good and if you don't know what i'm talking about find me afterward after church and i'll explain it to you so here's what happens david leaves the giant and becomes a great warrior and, and moves up the ranks quickly. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, Saul, the king, is jealous of David's success. I mean, you know, not everybody is going to celebrate your success. He is jealous of David's success and begins to pursue him to take his life. And David is now running for his life. The deserts of Israel, the caves from his king, from his mentor, from Saul. First thing I want you to write down is Saul was in pursuit of David. David was in pursuit of God. See, David had an opportunity, two opportunities actually, to, to kill Saul and, and wipe away a problem, but it wasn't God's plan. And David was more interested at that point in his life of pursuing God than he was of being king taking care of Saul. He becomes king of Judah and then finally king over all of Israel and is known as a man after God's own heart. And I hear people say, how could David have God's heart and make some of the incredible mistakes that he made? Because if you know anything about David's life, he made some big mistakes, some incredible sin. You know what? Here's what's interesting. The Bible never says that David had God's heart. 
The Bible says David was after God's heart. He was in pursuit of God's heart. And that's what I want you and I to talk about today. How can you and I, as just, none of us in this room are King David, right? As Dwayne, as Donna, as Danny, as Matt. How can we be in pursuit of God's heart like King David was? See, there is a difference between having God's heart and being after God's heart. See, I believe that there will come a day when we will have God's heart. When we stand face to face and look at Him eye to eye and thank Him for His goodness and grace and love. But that day's not today. Until then, you and I will likely struggle just like David struggled with the, with the circumstances of life. David is king, and here's what happened. He's living in Jerusalem, and and he begins to long for the presence of God to once again reside among his people. Now, here's a quick history lesson. Now, I want you to just give, give me a little grace as I give you some history. And I promise it'll make sense here in just a little while. Uh, there was, you know, you and I, because we live on this side of Calvary, we have access to the presence of God. He, we call on his name and he sits with us and he walks with us and he lives in us. The children of Israel believed that God sat on a seat on top of a box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. And that box traveled with them everywhere they went when they were in the, in the, in the, in the desert wandering from Egypt to the Promised Land. And that box went everywhere they went. And that, to them, was where God sat. That's where God lived. It meant the presence of God. And now David longs for the presence of God to be among his people once again. And listen, if you've ever been in God's presence and then felt as if you were not, there's, a, there's something missing. <laughs> the ark represented God's presence. It represented God's glory. And now Jerusalem was the epicenter of Jewish life. And David felt like it needed to be in the center of Jerusalem. And so what we're going to read today is the story of getting the ark of God back to Jerusalem. And there's so much for us to learn. So much for us to learn. So we're going to we're, we're going to kind of bust it up a little bit and unpack it. First thing I want you to understand is that a person in pursuit of God's heart, and that's our goal today, right? is to become people who are in pursuit of God's heart. The first thing I want you to write down is that a person in pursuit of God's heart desires His presence. 2 Samuel verse six, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And if you, want to, if you want to follow along on your Bible or something that has the Bible on it, it's 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to... Bala of Judah to bring back the art of God, ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. See, they believed that God's throne was, in fact, I'm going to show you a picture of what the ark might have looked like. It was a, a, a golden box with two angels and their, and their wings touching. And, and something I want you to take particular notice of, and because it, it's going to become important in our story in just a little bit, are those two wooden poles that went through two golden rings. And that's how the ark was supposed to be carried. But they believed that God's presence sat on those two angels 
And so wherever the ark of God was, where the ark of the covenant was, they believed that's where God's presence was. Now let me, let me unpack that a little bit. God is omnipresent. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is everywhere? Absolutely. But the ark was where the manifest presence of God sat. And God's manifest presence speaks of those moments. And you may understand this. You may have experienced this before in your own life. When God reveals Himself to the point where humanity becomes keenly aware of the presence of God. Maybe that's happened for you in a worship service like we've just experienced. Maybe that's happened for you in a time of prayer all by yourself. In fact, I will tell you that I've had the opportunity to be in in arenas, in conferences, in, in retreats with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But how many you understand that the manifest presence of God is not reserved to the arenas and it's not reserved to the churches that right by yourself, in your car, in your home, beside your bed, you can call on the name of God and God can cause Himself to... Re- he will reveal Himself to you so that you understand He's among you. He's there with you. I believe that. In fact, some of the most powerful moments I've ever had with God were not, was in an arena and it wasn't in a church. It was in my truck or alone in a room or in my office right by myself. See, the ark was an indicator to the Jewish people that God was with them. But see, you and I are on this side of Calvary and we know Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. I think I'd like to stop in our exploration of the history of King David and just remind you, you don't have to go on a search for God. He's with you. He's in this place. When you're holding your spouse's hand at night, He's among you. When you're praying a prayer that is desperate, He's among you. He's with you. When you're crying on Him, calling on Him, crying to Him in those moments of desperate need. He is with you. God doesn't live in a box. Aren't you glad? But in that moment, that box represented God's presence to the Jewish people. Here's one thing I've learned that living life unaware of God's presence is meaningless and incomplete. I I would like you to know that there have been times in my life when I have ran from the presence of God. I know that I'm not alone in this room, right? And there's just something missing. It's incomplete and it's meaningless. So what does it look like when men and women pursue God's heart? A person in pursuit of God's heart carefully considers his precepts. Let me, let me tell you what that means. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3 says, They placed the ark of God on a new cart. Everybody say new cart. new cart. And brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart. So let me ask you a question. Why was putting the ark of the covenant on a cart, on a brand new cart, why was that a bad idea? I shall tell you. Because that's not how God said to move it. God didn't say you move the ark in a cart. He said you stick those poles through the rings and the sons of Levi will carry it. And David had a better plan. I'm going to put it on a cart. I'm going to do it 
my way. I'm not going to pay attention to the precepts of God. Well, Dwayne, just real talk, that doesn't make sense. Why does it matter how they carried the box? It doesn't make sense. And I'm going to tell you, you are absolutely correct. Doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know. Why did God want you to, wanted them to carry a certain group to carry them with the poles instead of on a cart? Does a cart make, make sense to me? I don't know. I don't know. So here's my question. Are we only going to follow the precepts of God that make sense to us? The Bible says that our thoughts aren't his thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So I'm going to submit to you that if God said do it one way, we need to do it that way. That when we try to take matters into our own hands and do things our ways instead of God's ways, it always fails. Always. So, so the answer is no, we shouldn't only follow the principles and the precepts of God that make sense to us. Because guess what that creates? That creates a culture where we pick and choose what, what, what we want to do and how we want to live. And I'm going to tell you, if that's how you want to live your life, okay, that's fine. But if you really want to be after God's heart, you've got to do things His way. Now that's uncomfortable and we don't like that. But you've got to decide, and I have to decide, are we going to surrender our lives and follow God's heart, pursue God's heart, be men and women who are after God's heart? And if that's the case, we've got to do things His way. What does it matter? What does it matter? Why does it matter? I'm going to tell you. Would you like to know? If it matters to God, it should matter to me. And just because I can't define it, and just because I don't understand it, and just because if it were me, I would do it another way, that, that's a recipe for, for instead of following God's heart, for following my heart. And I don't want to follow my heart. So we follow God's precepts. And listen, a, a person in pursuit of God's heart must strive to live by his principles. Would you like to know what the difference is between a principle and a precept? I would love to tell you. A precept is the speed limit is 55 miles an hour. It's a written specific instruction. A principle is you ought to drive safely. It's a value. And so not only are we called as followers of Christ, as men and women who are after, in pursuit of God's heart, not to just follow the precepts, the written rules, the things that God has told us to, to latch onto and to stay away from, we are called to reflect His principles, who He is. And there's a very uncomfortable event that happens in the middle of this story, and people want to say, well, I don't, I don't think that that the way this happened is really consistent with God. It, it, I don't like this. And I'm going to tell you, if you read the Bible, you're going to find a lot of stuff you don't like. So here's what happened. Skipping down to verse 5. David and the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord. They're excited. The ark's coming home. Singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled. The oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. 
Here's where it gets really uncomfortable. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. How uncomfortable is that? I'm, I'm so thankful that we live on this side of Calvary. But, but please hear my heart here. God's character didn't change after Calvary. God is still holy and right. And right. And I, I can understand why people might say, you know, killing Uzzah is inconsistent with the God I know. I say it's perfectly consistent. How can you say that, Dwayne? Because God told Aaron hundreds of years ago, if anybody touches this box, they're going to die. If anybody touches the box, they're going to die. So for God not to have killed Uzzah, he'd have been a liar. He'd have broken his own principle. And God can't do that. Is that uncomfortable for me and you? Of course it is. I think it's interesting... The Bible says that Uzzah steadied the ark of God. You know, the, the Bible never says that the ark was falling, that it was in trouble, it was on its way to the ground. All it says is the ox stumbled. But Uzzah steadied it. Humanity tried to steady deity. Have we forgotten who's in control? Have we forgotten just how big and great and powerful God is? Well, if he hadn't, have, it, it might have crashed to the ground. But my responsibility isn't the results. My responsibility is to be obedient to what God said. <laughs> Obedience. What would have happened had Uzziah not steadied, not put his hand on the ark? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know. There's always a price for disobedience. Thankfully. Thankfully. You know, I'm going to say this about ten times a day. We live on this side of Calvary. And the wrath of God has been satisfied on the back and through the blood of Jesus. And so you and I can have forgiveness for our sin. You and I can walk in freedom, set free, from the wrath of God because it's been satisfied. Christ died once for all. And I think it's healthy for us to look back at some of these stories because it reminds me just how beautiful and how holy God is and how our, our sin demands payment for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God that you and I know is the free gift of God through Christ Jesus. I said all of that to say, God's way works, y'all. Yours probably won't. Well, I, I, I know God, 
God's plan for my family is this, but I'm going to do it my way. I know pl- God's plan for, for my life is, is this path, but I'm going to do it my way. Listen, you, you, you can live your life however you want to, but I'm going to tell you that God's way works. It just does. Truthfully, letting Uzzah live would have been inconsistent with God's character. I saw, I was uh, flipping through social media this morning, and a a pastor that I followed had a great statement. I thought it was very cool, and then then I thought, I'll, I'll just tell you what I thought. He said, God cares about what you care about, and I believe that. Listen, when you're hurting, God cares about that. Do you, do you believe that? That when, when you're struggling and, and you need direction and you need healing and you need provision, I believe God cares about what you care about. Yes? Yes. But shouldn't that be a two-way relationship? Shouldn't we care about what God cares about? I had this, I had this screensaver on my, on my computer for years and years and years and years and years. And it was the founder of uh, Samaritan's Purse. Here's, here's the quote. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And so I think, while I do believe that God cares about what we care about, I think that if we're going to pursue God's heart, that we've got to learn to care about what He cares about. We, if we're following Him, He's in the lead. You know... I'm so thankful for the grace and mercy of God, and I'm so thankful for the kindness of God, and I'm so thankful that there are those moments when He wraps us in His arms of His presence, and I love those moments. But can I tell you, I think, I think, I think we have made this more about us than it should be. God is God, and we are not. And if I'm after His heart, i got to learn to care about what he cares about. I can't always expect him to... Listen, I know that he loves me and I know he cares for me, but the way I'm going to find that place of of purpose and the way I'm going to find that place of provision, the way I'm going to find my plan for my life is not getting God on my side, it's me getting on his. God is for you. Don't get me wrong. But if we're after him, he's in the lead. we got to follow him. So to have his heart, i got to reflect his character. So they, they kind of call time out, a big hit the pause button, because, you know, somebody died. And, that's, and so the, the ark winds up at Obed-Edom's house. And you can, you can follow along in that chapter if you want to read for yourself. And something miraculous happens. Because the ark is at Obed-Edom's house, everything goes great for him. You, you know what I'm saying? The Bible says that he is blessed beyond measure because the, the ark of God, the presence of God is there at his house. And listen, if you're going to have a house guest, that's a pretty good house guest. Amen. Right? And so David's like, oh, okay, um, we've we, we got to fix this. We've got to undo what what went horribly wrong and we got to do things the right way aren't you glad that we serve a god of second chances amen come on somebody aren't you glad we serve a god of 19 chances for some of us me included come on 
So we're going to like, all right, it, it's time. The Bible says three months later, we're going to do this again. Now, here's an interesting thing about your Bible. There's a parallel account of this, this event. And, and so we're going to flip over to First Chronicles, and we're going to see um, how, how David did it a little bit differently the second time. First Chronicles 15, verse 11 says, Then David summoned the priests, Zadok and Abiathar, and these Levite le- uh, leaders, Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Abinadab. Man, I've been stressing that all morning long. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's a lot of words, isn't it? That's a lot of... He said to them, You're the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourself and all your fellow Levites so you can bring the ark of the Lord the God of Israel, to the place I've prepared for it because you Levites did not carry. Is he almost blaming them now? Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time. The anger of the Lord our God burst out against us. We we failed to ask God how to move it properly. There's two things there that just really jump out at me. So David said, we failed. And I want to go, who's we? You're the king, right? He said, we failed to ask God how to move it properly. And I read that and I went, that's such a strange statement. Do you know why it's such a strange statement? Because he'd already told them. He'd already give them very specific instructions about how to move the ark. And David said, we just didn't ask. Why do you need to ask God something that he's already told you? Have you done that? Sometimes we ask God again because we didn't like his first answer. So I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. I believe, I believe that God can do things instantly. I, some of you have testimonies of God miraculously healing you of an addiction. Some of you have miraculous testimonies of God healing you instantly of a, ailment in your body we have testimonies of god healing my wife sitting on the second row so i believe that god heals and delivers and and sometimes does it instantly some of you're not going to like this theology but i believe that more times than not yes god heals and yes god delivers and yes god works in miraculous ways But many, many times, if not most of the time, he works through a process. And we don't like process. We like, it's done. Do you know why? Because the process hurts. Because the process is uncomfortable. Because the process might require something of you. So let's think about it in terms of what we're watching. We want the presence. They wanted the presence of God back. We want the presence, but we aren't crazy about the process. (laughs) 
Instead of learning, instead of going through the process of learning to lean on Jesus, we want somebody to lay hands on us so we can instantly get where we need to go. From time to time, people say, Dwayne, pray for me to quit fill in the blank. And I've started answering very meanly. I'll say no. Here's what I do. You quit, and I'll pray for God to give you the grace to sustain you. But I can't. I can't lay down my addiction. I can't be the spouse God wants me to be. I can't follow God's plan for my life. Yes, you can. You just have to be willing to go through the process. And God always has a process. Instead of seeking God's heart for the spouse that he has destined, for the companion he has for us, it's just much easier to swipe right. So what does that process look like? Between David's anointing and his coronation was nearly three decades of process, opposition, retreat, sin. Okay, I'm going to put it in, I'm going to put it in terms where we're just going to love, okay? I told you earlier we figured out how to grow a church where everybody's having babies. Now watch. Everybody likes conception. And we love the moment that sweet little bundle of joy walks in the earth, right? Pops up, shows up. We celebrate birth and we love conception. But in between birth and conception are months of process. So much so that if men had babies, the population would be much, much lower. Because there's process involved and sometimes process is uncomfortable i I just believe this is a word for somebody y'all if you want to see that seed that god planted in your soul come to reality there's a process involved that might not be pleasant it might not be pleasant it might be uncomfortable but it's always going to be for your good and god's glory Between where you are and where God wants to take you is a process. And that process always involves you becoming a man or woman after God's own heart. Work in progress. Just like David. David learned that obedience is the pathway to freedom. Then it gets good, y'all. A person in pursuit of God's heart will be careful to offer God praise the the ark is home and they have this huge celebration david danced before the lord second samuel chapter six before the lord with all of his might wearing a priestly garment so david and all the people of israel brought up the ark of the lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horn that's always praise should always be at, at the at the end actually that's not true Praise should always be in the middle of the process, at the beginning of the process, and at the end of the process. Because if we're following God's heart, He's in control, and we ought to offer Him gratitude and praise. See, the truth is, I can pursue God's heart, or I can pursue mine, but not both. I heard somebody say one time, follow your heart. That's the dumbest advice ever. Don't follow your heart. Your heart's deceitful and wicked is what the Bible says. So in the time we had left, I'm going to give you five things. One, two, three, four, five things that David taught us about living in the shadow of God's heart. Number one, the heart of God is a lifelong pursuit. You want to find God's plan for your life? You want to find God's purpose 
chase him. Pursue him from now until the moment you stare at him face to face. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have other pursuits. You know, the Bible didn't say seek only the kingdom of God. It said seek first the kingdom of God. The second thing that David's experience here taught us is that everything I need, I find in the presence of God. It, it honors me as a pastor when you call me or text me or email me and said, I, I need you to pray for. And I, I told you, I, mean, I tell you nearly every week, I love you to put those prayer needs on the back of your connection card because we take those very seriously. We pray for those needs. I love that. But, but can I tell you, um, and I don't want you to stop doing that, but here's, here's what, what I hope you're grasping is that there's, there's moments when you're going to have to find God's presence for yourself. There's moments when you're going to have to call on God's name and call on the Son of God to do what only He can do in your life and in your family. And there is no substitute for living your life pursuing the presence of God. Number three, God's way works even when it doesn't make sense to me. Here's, what I've cho- here's how I've chosen to live my life, and I, and I hope that many of you will as well. I open God's word. And what I find there are principles and precepts. And I want to live my life by God's way because mine will fail. Even when I don't understand it. Number four, somebody needs to get this. Failure is not final. David did it the wrong way. And God gave him a chance to do it the right way. How many of you would say, Dwayne, I have blown it big time in my life. One time or 20. Me too. Me too. And aren't you glad that God always, 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 always gives you that opportunity it, you know what the bible calls it, it it calls it repentance to to go before god in humble uh, humility asking god for forgiveness and then we turn away from from doing things our way and do things god's way and then lastly a pursuit of god's heart will always result in a heart of gratitude donna come please i want to pray for you this morning and, and i want to pray for you very specifically um You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just asking the Lord in this moment how he would want me to pray for you. You know, it's weird, y'all. Sometimes, sometimes God gives me very specific instructions about how to close a service. And sometimes it just happens in this moment, and, and this is one of those days. So here's, here's what, what I believe God would, would have us all do today is to search our hearts and to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. So maybe you're here and you could say, Pastor Dwayne, I've 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 spent my life maybe or maybe just recent history and instead of doing things God's way, I've done them mine. I've led my family my way instead of God's way. Uh, I've handled my finances my way instead of God's way. I've, I've handled my relationships my way instead of God's way. I've parented my children my way instead of God's way. And I, I can't say with conviction that as we sit in this room today that I've, 
a person who is after in pursuit, following God's own heart. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor Dwayne, I have failed. But I believe this morning God's given me another chance to do things the right way. I don't, I don't know if that means in, in your marriage. I don't know if that means in your relationship with your children. I, I don't know what that means. But you do. God's given me another chance. And, and this time I want to do it right. I want to do it His way. Or maybe you're here. And you just say, Dwayne, I'm pursuing a lot of things. But this morning, I'm realizing that I need to make my first pursuit the heart of God and His power and His presence. With nobody looking around, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. And we're not going to labor this point. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you and then we're going to pray. And You say, Dwayne, I... I need you to include me in this prayer. I need you to include me in this prayer. I'm, God's given me a second chance, and I'm, I'm going to take advantage of it. I failed, but I'm, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to pursue God with my life. I'm going to be a man. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. And that's not me as I sit here today, but, but from this day forward, I want to be a man. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. Among all my pursuits, I want him to be first. And he's, he's not if I was just going to be honest and I want him to be. So if that's you this morning and you just want to be included in this prayer, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I just want you to very quickly just, just put your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for. God bless you. God bless you. Golly, yes. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to be men and women after your heart. So God, forgive us for those times when we've done it your way, I've done it our way instead of yours. And so today, God, we decide, we make a choice to follow you with everything in us, to make you our primary pursuit, to seek first God's kingdom, to be men and women who are after God's heart. That doesn't mean we're going to live a perfect life. We recognize that. But God, we're going we're gonna to try to do all we can to live by your principles and your precepts, to follow you, to pursue your presence above everything else. That's our prayer today, God. And we know that we can't do it without your help. So we ask for your help today. Help us be men and women after God's own heart. God, I pray for everyone that raised their hand, those that couldn't but wanted to. God, I just pray you do an incredible work in their life today. As we turn our hearts towards you, as we chase you, as we pursue you, God, we know, we know, we know that in your presence, the pursuit of your heart is fullness of joy. We'll find that today as we pursue you, as we avail ourselves and be willing to walk through the process of knowing you more, loving you greater, pursuing you more closely. Jesus name. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. Just sing this with us. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Come on. Come on, worship the Lord.
Come on, sing it. Lift your voice. Because all my life you have been. Can you testify to that this morning? All my life. And all my life you have been so, so And if you know that to be true, I want you to offer God an ovation of praise. Hey, let's leave this building tonight on pursuit of God's heart. Yes, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome afternoon. Make sure you fill out those connection cards. Drop it in the box on the back on your way out. Grab some invite cards off of our new stand back there in the back. Invite somebody to come be with you in the house of the Lord next week. God bless you. Have a great, great, great day.